insane, Kirk, that I am somebody who's about to turn 36 this year is someone who is roughly like 5'10 or so. And Chris Paul is doing this despite... (laughs) Philly Wagner, what's going on? Billy Wagner. He, okay, so he's a Hall of Famer, right? He got into the Hall of Famer, or is he still on the ballot? I don't think he's in. I think he's, like, getting close, though. He's, like, in the 40 to 50% range. <laughs> There's an article that I'm pulling up. Baseball Hall of Fame, Billy Wagner, inching closer. Um, so do, you yes. want, do you want to... Uh, okay, sorry. One second. This is super bad podcasting. I'm going to have to put this dog away. I'll be right back. Gracie the dog, an early candidate for... Uh, for bike ride of the week yeah she might be she keeps us up <laughs> or you just set the squeaky toy on the on the bike ride of the week yeah but okay back to billy wagner a couple fun facts about billy okay did you know, and this one might be known um it might not be known but i think it's pretty common knowledge around baseball at this point but it's a fun fact billy wagner is right-handed but he got in a car did you know this no okay but he got in a car crash when he was very young really hurt his right shoulder so he was just like, well, I'm going to keep pitching. Started pitching left-handed. No shit. And that And now he's an almost Hall of Famer with the wrong hand. He, so when you close your eyes, what, what uniform is Billy Wagner wearing? Astros. Astros. Okay. I think, yeah, what about you? I think Phillies because of those. He was the guy on those, um, on those championship Phillies teams. Yeah. I think. Was he was. He was. Yeah. yeah. He was the closer on those teams. Yeah. He, but he was at, he was a, Four-time All-Star with four different, well, multiple-time All-Star, more than four, with four different teams, Astros, Phillies, and then Mets and Braves. I had no idea. I don't remember him being on either of those teams. I remember no. the Phillies and the and the Astros, but I don't remember the Mets or the Braves. And then he kind of hit a lull, as relievers do. They just kind of die. And then he found a resurgence twice with the Mets and Braves. Um, so just tearing up the NL East over, over multiple decades. Well, I'll give you my war thought on him. Okay. Okay. I- relievers traditionally to be a a lockdown reliever your war doesn't have to be that amazing like Kendall Graveman is on pace for like a two or three win season and he's been like the best reliever in baseball so I'm gonna say Billy Wagner in his career accumulated 42 war a little high Phil uh 27 27.8 but your your instincts were correct um that uh I think it's because he was very good but never super super dominant um yeah do you know how much Mariano accumulated? Because he's like the gold standard of closers. Mariano Rivera, baseball reference. Uh, do you want to have Gracie do a little squeak, squeak dance here? To I, I hit her. I hit her toy. So she's mad now. She's like blaring at me. <laughs> As she should be. All right, uh, Mariano, career war fifty six three. So du- yeah. So and double... like that's the best. Double but that's Wagner. the best. That's the best reliever in the history of the game, and he doesn't even eclipse. Like, I don't know. Like, for for reference, like a fifty six WAR is like a little bit worse than Larry Walker. You know, and Larry Walker, amazing player, but by no means the best ever at his position. Whereas Rivera was, and he's at fifty six. Well, we'll talk about the uh, the second coming of Larry Walker later, Jake Freely. But uh, yeah. just some, some news and notes for the last week in Mariners' First of all, Dylan Thomas, uh, we hardly knew ye. That was a quick up and down. Uh, Dylan yeah. Moore back up. Donovan Walton was down. Justin Dunn is back. Kendall Grieveman is out of his COVID timeout. I assume he's got 
you know, he's fully vaccinated now and everything's great. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Yaxel Rios, AKA Hacksaw Ridge is uh, gone as well. Already traded to the Boston Red Sox. Um, See you later, Yaxel. And uh, Mitch Hanniger scared the shit out of us when he took a foul ball off his knee. Um, Hard hit balls off the knees have been, have been a problem lately. We got to address that in the clubhouse. Uh, He is, sounds like he's going to avoid the IL and just missed a few games. And then the big news, Phil, um, and really it's time to play the bagpipes here. Keenan Middleton sent down. To oh, no. I, you jinxed him. I'm going to blame it on you because he was one of your regression candidates. <laughs> and immediately after you said that, he started sucking. He had he had an infinity game. You know the, you know what the infinity yeah. game is? Yeah. The, the, Where you give up <laughs> runs without getting an out. Yeah. The, your game ERA is, is INF. Yeah. Uh, yeah tough, tough. It was only two games for him, but it really, there were two really bad games. And I yeah, guess that was it. He collapsed. Yeah. Um, but I was, I was surprised that it was such a short leash, but maybe they, they had kind of always had this plan for, for our dog, uh, to yeah, go down there. And you know, with relievers who have options left, this is very standard, you know, yeah. shuffling relievers up and down from Tacoma just to give them a break and bring up fresh arms and stuff like that. It's, it's pretty, you know, standard operating procedure for major league teams at this point. Um, the Mariners are certainly no exception to that, but, you know, you would hope that with you'd have at least on any given team two or three guys who aren't going to be part of that, you know, cabal of up and down, up and down, up and down. But it looks like with the Mariners, you got maybe Graveman. Uh, you can't, well, you can't put Will Vest down, so he's got to stay on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you got Montero, who doesn't have any options. So you got, I guess, those three guys that are just going to be with the team. And Eric Swanson looked very good. So yeah. maybe him too. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just really, really hard to hear the word cabal and not think like pizza gate and the weirdest yeah. stuff in the world. Uh, but I will, I will try to, to push past that. Let's get to the Trident. You got to make it to Pilates today. So I really want to, yeah. to punch through this, um, really make sure we're stretched out before, before that prong one. And I don't think there's any other place to start. It was probably the game of the year in, uh, in the Mariners season was Wednesday night. And it was um, a a back and forth game that uh, was really punctuated by the Jake Fraley catch, um, which was one of the best plays I've seen live in terms of my visceral reaction. And it was very late at night on my time. And so I couldn't even make noise. And I just had to dance around my living room silently as Jake Fraley. It was late at night, my time too. (laughs) Like I couldn't even imagine you being up for that because that game was long. Yeah. So let's, let's walk through the, uh, this, the scenario here with, um, with the, the led up to the Fraley catch. So it's a three Oh ball game. The M's are down. Uh, Kyle Seager ties it with a three run home run in the sixth. Mm -hmm. bottom nine. Can I just make a, a, a nice little point about that? It is nice to see the Mariners, I guess, progression against, you know, it's always nice to see, okay, here's where they were a couple a month ago when they faced Casey Mize. And then here's where they are now when they face Casey Mize, the at-bats looked a lot better, even if it was just that three run Homer, that was all they got off him. The at-bats were better. We were getting knocks off him. I think he one hit us uh, the last yeah. time out. So it was nice to see them chase him after the, you know, fifth or sixth inning instead of whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was it was nice to see at least some tangible progression in the approach of the hitters. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, great point there. Um, and then bottom nine, hot astro second rider. I mean, he he is just yeah, just nice, de- beautiful hair, delicious. Uh, he yeah. he gives up a hit to, to Miguel Cabrera, so this run on first. Isaac Paredes comes to the plate and uh, hits one into left field. What do you think Statcast had the ex- had the expected batting average on that ball? Nine twenty. <laughs> so. Comerica Park must have a wild short left field because they had it as a 270. 
whoa yeah uh just based off launch angle and yeah uh, so, so they must that that must be just a quirk of comerica that they're they have a short porch or something maybe that was just boosting maglio ordonez's stats for so long yeah. we didn't even know anyways it, it seemed like one of those ones that although it definitely looked like it was going to go yard that freely had a good read on it and he has a shot Full extension, jumps up. He, uh, I hate to really use a different term here, Phil, but he nailed his wrists to the wall of Comerica yeah. Park uh, yeah. to, to make the catch. Pulls it back, throws a save dart. Reckon, stay, save Drew Steckenrider from his uh, sins. Yeah. Wow, uh, say that five times fast. And all of us and, you know, his whole flock as well. He threw yeah. a dart to the cutoff guy, Shedlong. Shedlong uh, throws uh, Jared Haas, who wasn't wasn't uh, Cabrera anymore, out at first base. And then that whole sequence put TNT in Aaron Goldsmith's larynx because he just yeah. blew, <laughs> blew up, could not handle what he had just saw. And then in the 11th, Jake Fraley hits the go-ahead RBI in the 11th game over um and he's only been better from there he, he's been nuts he's, he's the best thing we've got going on uh yeah. he's at he's at the level where i've looked up his middle name it's jacob arnold fraley uh oh, of course and we uh, can call, we can just say jacob arnold fraley because it just seems, seems schwarzeneggerian right now wrc uh, plus of a buck 93 four homers said, let me finish you said you said you said that i i want to make a thing here you said he's the best thing we have going on. Do you really? I, I, I'm torn between him and JP. It's but those continue two. Your, continue it's, your stats. It's those two. Uh, and we'll talk about JP later. Uh, but yeah, Fraley, since June 1, four homers tied for third in baseball, OBP of 449. Mm. This is it. I mean, he, that play was nuts. His play on that road trip was nuts, getting the power off, off the bat finally. Um, you know, the, the, the walks. The athleticism, he's a threat to steal bases. This has been a really, this is like kind of what we expected out of Kellenic minus the walks. Yeah. So can I give you a, a quiz? I guess I'll do some, Brandon. Sure. We talk about Z swing minus O swing a lot, right? Yep. How much are they swinging in the zone versus how much are they swinging outside the zone? Mm -hmm. When you think of like the best guy plate discipline wise in baseball over the last 10 years, who would be like the first guy that comes to your mind? Yeah, just because we teased him before we started talking, is it is it is it Juan Soto? He's second, but number one, and then Fraley's number three behind these two guys. Soto is number two, Joey Votto. Mm, yes. So behind those two guys, you could basically say, and if we're making Z swing minus O swing analogous to plate discipline, which is a, I think that's a fairly I think that's a fair thing to do mm -hmm. uh, based on, you know, you swing at stuff in the zone, you don't chase the junk. Uh, Jake Fraley is only behind those two guys in terms of plate discipline in major league baseball. Obviously both of those guys, one of them has had a storied career. The other one is going on to an extremely storied career, probably the hall of fame. If he keeps up at this pace, Votto has a outside shot at the hall of fame. And the thing that um, Fraley has going for him over Votto is Votto plays a defensive liability position, whereas Fraley is an above average defender right now in left field. So, so obviously, you know, the 29% walk rate that he's running right now, can't imagine that that's going to continue forever. But if this skill that he's showing of not swinging at the junk and only swinging at punishable pitches is a real skill, I, I really like his chances. I don't know if this is a mirage or if this is going to fade away or what's going, you know, that's why we love baseball. We just got to wait and see, but it, it just definitely something feels like it clicked here. Which begs the question, what, what do you do with, with Jake Fraley? Because this, 
obviously this specific thing that we're seeing right now is not sustainable. Uh, Buck 93 WRC plus looking like an all-star caliber left field. I mean, maybe the all-star caliber, is maybe, there, but yeah. I mean, is this a situation where you Austin Nola this and, and that's see, a good question. See, you know, and, and really appraise this, this, this player and say, this is, you know, far, far more than we could have ever expected here. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to command a, a price. If he continues this way, is that an option or is the depth of the outfield in such a place right now with Kyle Lewis's health, Mitch Hanniger's long-term future uh, where you just, and you know, that brief little thing we saw with Kellenick where you don't really know what you have there, where you say, yeah, we're just going to hang on to this because this is a nice thing. So it's a very good question. I guess it really, and it's what we talk about. And I think we're going to get to this later on in the podcast uh, yeah. when we're going to have a, a, a frank conversation about what's going on, what the state of the organization is. Mm-hmm. It, it, it really it just comes down to how you feel like the team is shaping up for next year and maybe the year after that. I don't know if any GM would buy this yet. Even with Austin Nola, who, uh, you know, uh, AJ Preller of the San Diego Padres was very quick to believe what Austin Nola was doing was real and sustainable. That still took, you know, 60, 65, 70 games before, you know, he bought that. He thought, okay, this is real. I think where are we at with Fraley right now? 20 games, 22 yeah, games, 23 games. I think. Yeah, so I think it's going to need to be a little bit longer before a GM is willing to, you know, back up the truck to get somebody like this. But I can't imagine. I can imagine some regression here, but if the approach stays the way it does with him right now, I can't imagine something going so catastrophically wrong that he's even below a, you know, 100 WRC plus. Obviously that means the approach needs to stay, but it just makes the game of baseball so much easier when you're only swinging at pitches that are right in the middle of the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a conundrum, and as is the Hanniger conundrum that I'm still not ready to talk about. That um, yeah. you know, you, what what do you do with with a bird in the hand, right? Do, do you mm-hmm. do you start to double these down and try to double these down? You did it with Nola, but I think that was a reflection of the the depth of of um, of catchers in the organization and, and what they thought that they could get back with with Terenz. This might be a different situation. I mean, it it might just be as simple as, hey, Jake Fraley, despite despite Scott Service's inability to put him in the lineup, uh, yeah. is is a piece, and you just you you keep going with that until a better situation presents itself. So I've talked to you offline about this, and I think we mentioned it on the podcast last. By week. the way, is is there anything that is there any offline conversation anymore? Yeah, everything's on. <laughs> everything's everything's on. on. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, it is a, it is a common phrase that we all say. But it's like I'll talk to you offline, but that just means like in my work, like I'll slack yeah. you about it. I'll use an instant messaging app to talk to you outside of this. Yeah, meeting. I'll still use technology, but yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, it's a very that's a very good point. Um, but we talked about what we thought about him going forward, and we said, you know, my expectations were pretty low. I was saying twenty five percent chance that he's even a piece, and that mm-hmm. just means could be a bench piece, could be a fourth outfielder. Could be, you know, a, 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 a you know, mid-level player, an average-ish player. And I was only at about 25% there. At this point, I've revised myself upwards. If, you know, he's, I think he's got a good shot. I think it's odds are better than not that he is a real, a real guy for this team. Mm-hmm. And what do you want to do with that? It's, again, it's the bird in the hand versus the two in the bush. Do you, I, I don't know. What, how's Austin Nola doing this year? Because you look at what we got in that trade. And I think we can use that as an analogous uh, sort of trade. If 
where it's a clear overpay. But you look at Ty France. Ty France is coming back alive after that wrist injury. Taylor Trammell showed a lot of promising signs, a ton of them. Still not a major league caliber contributor quite yet. I think he will get there. Uh, Luis Torrens, obviously riding the bus back to Tacoma. I think he got brought back up today. But you're still not really I, – I don't think anyone would feel good about him being the catcher of the future. And then you got a wild card in Andres Munoz. And at the time, we thought that was an overpay. But these things, you know, prospects are inherently risky. I'm not sure you want to – and here's the final thought, and I'm sorry to jump around, but with Jake Fraley, he is doing exactly what the organization is preaching. <laughs> he is kind of like the poster boy for controlling the zone. And other players around him can probably start to see that, like, oh, my God, look at the success this guy's having, you know, really taking that message and that philosophy to heart. I don't know if that's something you want to give up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, um, I think it's, you make these types of trades, uh, even last year with, with Nola, the, the Padres did what they did because they see a window and, and it's, yeah. it's the same reason that, you know, the Seahawks would trade, you know, make a trade for Percy Harvin or Jimmy Graham, where they, you think you're one piece away, you do it because, you know, at a certain level, when not winning a Super Bowl or not winning a World Series is considered a failure, you have to to push the chips in, and that's something yeah. that I think we just saw. Uh, you know, it's 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 not baseball, so therefore it's out of your wheelhouse. But uh, with the Boston Celtics and Danny Gange of that whole era was defined by not pushing the chips in and uh, you know pretending that a, a treasure trove of quote unquote assets was in a, a, you know was the the end goal of itself. When the end goal yeah. is not that, it is it is not to accumulate. You know, I think. I think that's a really salient point to bring up because we definitely sometimes forget my, I'm probably the biggest, you know, um, per, I, person who does this, but I always talk about baseball in like this very, bi, not, not binary, but very cold calculating almost like business way where it's like, we assess players down to their war value and like, okay, we have X amount of assets and X amount of surplus value. And the goal, I think we need to like remind ourselves from time to time is, the goal is not to accumulate the most surplus value in the MLB. The goal is to win the most games yeah. and win the last game at the end of the year. Yeah. Talk to any Boston Red Sox fan and they will, yeah. you know, give you the finger when you start talking about surplus value, when you're taught, when you when you trade Mookie bets and, and, yeah. you know, the, the, someone might read that or listen to that and think, okay, you just called Mookie bets or Jake Fraley Mookie bets. That's not what I'm saying. It's like at a certain point you have a good thing. Uh, you know, don't even think about this as, as like, what can I get for it? It's just, you have a good thing and let's, let's roll yeah. with that. And but you know, you have it for six more years. And I know I've used the deal or no deal analogy before, and you kind of want to like make sure you're, you, you know, cause we've seen it in the past where uh, if we had traded Domingo Santana at, you know, the deadline in 2019, we probably could have gotten an asset back because he was having by and large a fine year. Yeah. The defense sucked, but he was hitting for power. He was taking walks. Yeah. He was striking out a lot, but he was, you know, he was like a solid two, two and a half win player that a lot of teams would have coveted. And then what do we see at the end of 2019? He continues to downward slide, gets worse and worse. And then he ends up being DFA before the 2020 season. So there is something to be said for, you know, do you think this guy is real? If you don't, and some other team does, by all means, trade him. But if you think he's real and you think this is what Jake Fraley is, obviously not the 193 WRC plus, but you think he's something around 125, 130, uh, you don't trade that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you just don't. 
especially like you said, when he's homegrown and he is adopting the mentality that you want your players to, to take. And I think that, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit when you tease that bigger conversation that's coming. There's a difference between thinking like this um, with, you know, uh, Edwin Encarnacion and, and Jay Bruce yeah. that are like, you know, they're just, they're just guys you signed and now you, you're turning money into, uh, into things. You're turning them into one thing. Yeah. You're, you're turning them into Jake Shiner. <clears throat> That's a little different than, than what Fraley is here. So I hope that Fraley stays. Um, but I am sure if this even 75% of what we're seeing right now continues, um, you know, the calls for him and Mitch Hanniger are going to, yeah. to be there um, for, for but teams. See, I mean, you got Fraley for six years. The price better be astronomical if, if, if that's yeah. what we're talking about here. Yeah, I, I, I checked out Baseball Trade Values, your favorite site, and he was not uh, trending in any way quite yet. But um, that maybe it takes them. I think they wait like a couple months. They only do updates every, you know, three months. And I think that's a good thing because it, it cancels out a lot of the noise of, you know, a guy goes on a hot streak and you're not yeah. going to change the value that much. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the newest Mariner, and that's Jake Bowers, who we had, mm. plan- we had planned to talk about him on Sunday. And then last night he uh, provided some content for us, which is very nice of him. He just got DFA'd by the Cleveland baseball team. Uh, the M's traded for him for a player to be named later. He hits a hero home run last night. Actually looked like he was going to get into one in his previous at-bat uh, before that. Little background on him, former seventh round pick, uh, first base outfield type, left-handed hitter, former number 73 overall prospect in baseball mm-hmm. in 2017, ne- around the same area where guys like Taylor Trammell and uh, J.P. Crawford were. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a, you know, right now for the Mariners situation, sorely needed first base outfield depth, kind of Jose Marmalejos, um, but the, pro- the former prospect version um, until Evan White comes back and, you know, the injuries in the outfield settle themselves but is there anything beyond that is this is this more than just a depth piece and is this kind of a, a you know the classic jerry depoto second draft guy where you take a former prospect and see what you can get for it my gut instinct is no um i that's don't a, think it's so. a safer mentality yeah <laughs> i mean but my gut instinct is always no with these things because with every time you have for every mitch hanniger and marco gonzalez you have the tim beckham where oh you know he was the number one overall prospect in baseball or no excuse me he was the number one overall draft pick you know you have a lot of post-hype sleepers but a lot of these guys are post-hype for a reason um it's because they're not actually that good but they're not uh, they're have, not post al player of the week though as uh as Tim, did he win it twice Tim he won it twice yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious oh my god um but you know a lot of those guys are post-hype for a reason as i would say uh I went in and I looked at Bowers to see if anything meaningful has changed in, you know, in the last, I used the last two months as a split. Doesn't look like anything is particularly different than his 2019 season when he struggled very hard. It's about the same, uh, you know, exit velo profile, launch angle profile, width percentage profile. Uh, everything, you know, his expected Woba is kind of very similar, trending in the re- same way. And that was good enough to get him DFA'd by Cleveland. So I'm, I'm, and Cleveland is a very hitting starved team. So I'm not, I'm not confident that this guy's going to be anything more than maybe a fourth outfielder, first base type, you know, bench piece. The one thing I will say that's a point in the favor of him actually being a post type sleeper, a la Mitch Hanniger or Marco Gonzalez, Cleveland has historically not developed hitters very well. 
for all the success they've had developing their pitchers with Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Jay, uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, uh, easy there on the Tristan McKenzie, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who else am I missing? Uh, Corey Kluber. Yep. You know, they've had just a stable of, of young, young pitching that they've developed really well. They've equally struggled developing young hitters. And I, if I recall correctly, he was traded from the Rays as a fairly highly touted prospect. Yep. To uh, the Indians. The Padres had him um, and then traded to the Rays and then traded to the Indians. Got it. Got yes. It. In, in the trade that also sent uh, Edwin Encarnacion to the Mariners. Oh, okay. So it all connected. Yeah. All that being said, maybe the best destination for a young hitter is not Cleveland. So we'll see if, if the Mariners do think they can unlock anything. Uh, I would, I would be really pleasantly surprised if, if, if that ended up going anywhere. I think the biggest thing out of researching Bowers is that, you know, the, the pedigree was there. Um, Seems Mm -hmm. like a, seems like a good dude from his interview with Shannon Dreher. Um, The biggest thing I learned is it the Padres used to have Trey Turner? Did you know that? God, who did they trade him for? Okay, so the 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 story with with uh, with Bowers is that the Padres drafted him. Uh, they traded him to the Rays, and then trade so that they could so that the Padres could get Will Myers because the Padres wanted Will Myers really okay. bad after, after his rookie of the year season with the, the 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 Rays, and then they traded a player to be named later to the Nats. That player to be named later became oh, no. Trey Turner. Which That's meant- really bad, Juju, because we just traded a young shortstop <laughs> yeah. to the Rangers for as our player to be named later for Montero. And Grant, I don't know who this kid was, so I don't anticipate it being too huge of a deal. <laughs> and I know a lot of Mariners minor leaguers, but still. That's also it's uh, it's a funny thing that the the James Shields trade worked out that way because the, the everyone talks about the White Sox being idiots for letting uh, letting yeah. Shields or trading Shields to or trading Tatis to give up Shields, uh, mm-hmm. but don't forget that the Padres gave up uh, Trey Turner, Trey Turner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other best shortstop in baseball. Yeah, maybe these players to be named later. There is something to them. Yeah, that'd be a fun thing to look back at as like yeah. a history of players to be named later and see what the, the worst one is or the best and, one. And is. just for those who don't know about baseball system, I guess I can give you just a quick rundown about how player to be named later works. So when a trade goes down, usually what will happen is there will be a headline piece and then a couple of minor pieces. One of those minor pieces is sometimes called a player to be named later. What the teams do is they say, hey, I haven't I want the teams agree on an amount of value but the team receiving the prospects usually says, Hey, I haven't had a really good chance to scout your entire farm system yet. And I know, I don't, I know all your big name pieces, you know, but I don't know the little ones. And if we're going to throw, if you guys are willing to throw in the little one, I need a little bit of time to really scout these guys. And what the other team will say back to them is they say, that's fine. That's okay. Here's a list of four guys we'd be comfortable parting with. You can pick one of these four. And then after that, you know, the Mariners, let's say, will send their scout and they'll watch all four of those guys and they'll pick their favorite one. And that's generally how the player to be named later process works. Appreciate that. I've always kind of wondered exactly what it went into that. Uh, but yeah, the uh, I think that the Rangers just took uh, Andres Rivera is his name. Yeah. And uh, I don't know who and- this kid is. Andres Mesa uh, is the okay. guy they, ju- they just took, uh, who was a guy that the Mariners had previously spent a little bit of change on in the um, the international draft. And the Rangers selected him as their compensation for the Rafael Montero trade. But obviously the Mariners have got the better end of that trade because Rafael Montero has been nothing short of spectacular. <laughs> I have no complaints about him whatsoever. 
Um, okay, you you tease this. We've we've talked about it, and it's it's time that we just kind of check in. It's it's around seventy games through the season, and the Mariners are in the midst of something that you and I are both very fair favorable of overall, and that's a a, a you know as as you have to frame it a a rebuild, a step back, a reimagining, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's time that we have an honest objective conversation about that. So just a recap of, of, of how everything went down. I'm sure everyone knows, but just to just to remind ourselves of, of kind of the timeline here after the 2018 season, the Mariners were a good, but not good enough team. They had an aging roster, bottom five farm system. Uh, the reimagining gets announced. They're not, not announced. It was announced via the following moves, trading James yeah. Paxton <laughs> to the Yankees, uh, trading, well, actually trading Mike Zanino first, then Paxton, yeah. then trading Gene Segura, then trading Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, uh, letting Nelson Cruz walk, and um, some more tangential moves on the side there. Now, the Mariners definitively have a top five farm system, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the baseball product that we watch night in, night out is at times miserable, at times fairly exciting. Uh, there are some young performers who are doing well, some that aren't. And um, so let's let's break this down. Uh, I, I had thought about this in kind of putting things into buckets of – what are the things that are definitely bad that are not going yeah. well at all? What are the things that are maybe bad or trending bad? What are things that are just true maybes? Uh, and the things that are maybe goods, right? That, that seem mm-hmm. like they're going well. And then the definitively, definitely good things. Okay. What What's definitely bad uh, that from the last three plus years? Uh, I think or- one thing that we can all agree on that is definitely bad is, and it's, I guess it's an organizational thing that'll pervade long past the rebuild, but the lack of willingness to supplement any sort of core from ownership is, is it's, it, they've maybe that'll change when they really see a competitive team, but it's almost like the chicken and the egg. You have to spend a little money to get that competitive team. And then yeah. you can spend the big money. Um, definitively bad. I would say is the starting rotation overall over the last three years has shown very little progress. Justice Sheffield, He's taken a little bit of a step back this year. It hasn't been great. Marco Gonzalez has taken a step back this year. I don't, I don't anticipate that that's going to last forever. Uh, hasn't been great. Justin Dunn, one of the pieces we were all very excited about, um, very much not a major league caliber starter. I think we're fairly comfortable saying that at this point. You sure? Um, I, I think so. I think yeah. so. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. As as far as these things get, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll wake up in mid October and look at his stats and be like, really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I, Um, I I agree. Yeah. I think Chris Flexen is a fine number five if you need it. Um, And you say Kikuchi has been very, so we'll, we'll say he's, he's, he's good. I would say to, to supplement the conversation about pitching because the starting staff, I would agree with you um, has, has been disappointing outside of Kikuchi is bullpen arm identification on the open market. Just talked talked about Rafael Montero, right? That has Mm -hmm. not been good. There's other guys that are there. Hunter Strickland um, never pitched. Mark Zipchensky. Mark Zipchensky, CG Edwards um, never pitched. Yosahiro Hirano never pitched. Uh, Juan Nicasio, that was before the reimagining, but yeah. J- Jerry Depoto gave him a two-year, $17 million deal. He was terrible. And he was bad, yeah. Uh, and and so they have not been able to identify those guys on the open market who can come in and, uh, you know, make it happen. God, at there's the back so of the- many of them, too. And, uh, and that is what teams have to do at the, at the last yeah. phase of this is go in there and, you know, sign those guys that are going to put you over the hill. And that you have not been able to do that is a little troubling. 
Can you name outside of Graveman one free agent reliever that's worked out for the Mariners? I mean, uh, all the like, st- I mean, second rider is technically a free agent, right? I mean, but like, yeah, but he's, I mean, yeah. he's not great. Like, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's, as you put it before, <laughs> he's on the Mount Rushmore of, of Jerry DePoto reliever signees, though. That's, yeah. That's, he's, he's a jag. Like, yeah. he's just fine. He's a space mm-hmm. filler. Yep. Um, you know, you thought you had something in Brandon Brennan. He was DFA'd. You have Johan Ramirez riding the bus. He's part of the cabal. You have Will Vest, who doesn't look, amazing he looks serviceable at the most i guess casey sadler was pretty good but he just got hurt it yeah you're right it's 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 a it's a it's a not a great state of affairs now do i think that there's plenty of arms in the mariners farm system to become those guys yes they have a surplus of arms and and that i think is uh is fine but you know if the mariners want to compete anytime soon you will have to have one of these come to fruition and it, you know, mm-hmm. beyond, beyond Graveman and Graveman, you know, was kind of, they kind of lucked into cause that was a, a yeah. start, a starter turned reliever um, because of a injury. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that both um, starting in and bullpen, not, not in, in great shape, um, especially they, they, you know, baseball right now is defined in some part by these Carlos Rodons, these DeGroms, mm-hmm. these, these just nasty ass number one ballers and the Mariners don't have, anything close to that now could logan gilbert be that guy maybe could brandon williamson be that guy sure uh that those things are coming but they're not there right now and that's that's just a fact there's also things that are outside of their control that were definitely bad last year the whole situation with covid was definitely bad and it was definitely more harmful to a team like the mariners than it was to a team like the dodgers and i think too i mean obviously you just got no minor league system whatsoever season Mm -hmm. whatsoever you got no minor league relief for a guy like evan white who just had to wear it through 60 games last year uh and then it'll make him better though i think that'll make him mentally like better just dealing with that when larry stone writes a book about him and 40 years I mean, it, yeah. that'll, that'll be part of it uh but i, I think too i mean the, the spending piece yes the mariners have been notoriously um you know tight pursed over the last few years um but it's hard to make assessments of where you are as an organization when you don't know where your minor leaguers are so how do you how do you yeah. know exactly how much to it's spend? a very good point it's a very um, good point and then another thing that's out of their control, the, the Kevin Mather LP, right? We yeah. have no idea what the effect of that is um, on guys who might potentially want to sign here and their agent be like, nope, F that, right? This is yes. still the organization that really has never uh, truly distanced, well, pretended to distance themselves from, from him. And then the Mariners don't have a president right now because of that. Um, and that's yeah. that's no small thing. Is that thing. search still ongoing? What's <laughs> taking so long? I think you got to check your mail. I think, you know, so, yeah, someone maybe. Was, I think they I think they're giving it to me. So... To me, that's that's those are all definitively bad things that there's just no equivocation about. Uh, but are there any more in your in your world that come to mind? Definitively bad. I mean, I'm not willing to say. No, I would say the. I guess the next bucket is where I'd want to go with. Okay, the, the maybe maybe bad. The maybe bad is this first at depoto always talks about waves of prospects mm-hmm. i would say this first wave of prospects was and it was never supposed to be the the big wave but this first wave of prospects is maybe bad um kyle lewis he's a good player he's he's a good player but he i'm i'm extremely worried about his ability to stay on the field he's already had how many injuries to that same knee that's troubling i don't think he's ever going to play center field again I think they're going to stick him in a corner and that's going to hurt some of his value. Evan White, mm, 
it's not looking amazing so far. Two homers um, in four games in Tacoma, but yes. Yeah, but as we've talked about in the past, I'm refusing to even look at Tacoma's <laughs> yeah. stats. I know Cal Raleigh's going to come up and people are going to expect the world out of him and he's going to hit 180 and people are going to be like, oh, he's broken. It's just, it's not the same game, you know? And I we've said this a thousand different ways at a thousand different times, but it's truly not the same game from AAA to the majors anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. There's, uh, let's see, who else do we have? I guess we found Dylan Moore. He was kind of found money. So I wouldn't really say that that was uh, a wave of the prospects. Who else am I missing in that first wave of prospects? I mean, Crawford's there. Um... But let's look at the relievers. Uh, Sam Delaplane. He was supposed to be, come in and be a shutdown reliever for the Mariners. He got DFA'd. Joey Gerber, our favorite. Mm. What happened to him? Um, Jake Literally Haber. no idea. I have yeah, no Jake, idea what's going on. Jake Haber supposed to, you know, be a, a nice arm for us. He's toiling away in double A right now and not doing very good at all. Um, so that young relief core has really fizzled out. Um, I don't think a single one of them has made an impact yet. Uh, so that, that first wave was definitely not the best. Yeah. And they're not for nothing. There's that little Jared Kilnick thing that we saw. It's like, yeah. you can't, you can't ignore it. That was Jared Kilnick will more than likely be good, if not very good. That yeah. thing we saw was <laughs> definitely really, bad. So, really bad. Yeah. So we we kind of have to put uh, that in there. And then one thing that's maybe bad for me, um, and maybe this is definitely bad, is we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Why weren't they just terrible last year? Why yeah. weren't <laughs> Just eat it for 60 games. Do what the Red Sox did. I would have already forgot that they were terrible yeah. last although, year. Although I will say this, this year's, draft was probably not a good one to just tank because there's really no clear definitive like Kumar Rocker is not even a consensus top 10 pick anymore Mm -hmm. I don't know how that happened I'm not a scouting guy but you look at mock drafts he's sometimes falling out of the top 10 Jack Leiter has slid I mean I think the number one consensus kid right now is a prep high school kid shortstop I I don't Lawler yeah Lawler yeah, so I, I don't think this draft is one where you're like, oh, damn, we should have tanked for that guy. Like, it would have been with Strasburg or or Bryce Harper or who was it last year that was really good? That was, like, the consensus number one. Adley Rushman, yes. you know, who was yep. the consensus number one. It's It wasn't that sort of draft this year. So I don't think this year is going to really matter too much, the first 15 picks, mm-hmm. where what order mm-hmm. they're in. Well, and, and too, last year only being a 10-round draft, um, I think, yeah. is, is was an unfortunate thing that uh, could have been an opportunity for the Mariners to really cash in on. So that, mm-hmm. that's another thing that's out of their control, but sucks. It's just it's just yeah. a reality. Uh, maybe maybes. Uh, obviously, I think Andres Munoz is squarely in this. We have no yeah, idea. He's, uh, we have no idea. <laughs> we have no idea with that, but that is the uh, supposed flamethrower coming from San Diego that I haven't heard anything about. His his kind of initial May timeline has, has came and went. I haven't heard anything about his July timeline. Um, I'm sure it'll just, well, news will just come out of nowhere and we'll see him at some point, but it is a little odd. Yeah, it is odd. Is he throwing? I don't, no, no one idea. talks about him. Nope. Nobody is talking about him. I personally put Gonzalez done and Sheffield in the maybe maybes. Um, I have more confidence in Marco than, than the other two guys because he's done it, but his mm-hmm. stuff isn't what those two guys have, um, more, you know, speaking more to done there that his stuff would, you know, in a, in a, in a, uh, you know, just a BP session, uh, Justin Dunn, who's going to, going to electrify you more than Marcos, Marco Gonzalez yep. is. And then another, maybe, maybe to me is, is baseball, right? What is going to happen yeah. in baseball? And the, yeah. The, the, could be a lockout. 
could be a could be a lockout could be a severe change in the baseball so it could yeah. be you know we're already seeing the sticky stuff come down that we're going to talk about later rule changes in baseball to you know favor hitters the the you know the universal dh which shouldn't affect the mariners too much but all these things are are possible if not probable coming to baseball and we have no idea how that's going to impact um, the mariners specifically how about another maybe maybe are the mariners good at developing hitters I, I want to put I want to put them as uh, and I'm going to save the this is definitely trending in the right direction for the pitchers because I actually think there's ample evidence that the Mariners are quite good at developing pitching. Mm-hmm. As funny as that is that we have the current s- staff as not good, I think there's every reason to be super optimistic about what's coming down the pipe. But are we are we sure that this whole philosophy either is a working? or B being translated to these players in a way they can understand and execute on. Mm-hmm. You see one guy who really embodies that philosophy right now. And that's Fraley. Other than that, you have Kyle Lewis who swings and misses chases all over the place, but it's got a ton of power. You have Evan white who has a bad chase percentage, a ton of power Dylan Moore who can't hit a curveball and just waits for fastballs the whole time and just lets middle, middle curveballs go right by him and chases junk. Um, J.P. Crawford guess, gets it. J.P. Crawford gets it. He gets it. Kyle Seeger is not anything. He's average. You know, he's yeah. at everything. And uh, other Mitch than that. Mitch Hanniger doesn't really get it either. That's that's, that's a swinger yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah. he's a, Mitch Hanniger is a total swing, free swinger. And yep. so do we, are we sure that they're able to execute on this? And that's, I guess, a maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, that's a great point there. Let's go to maybe good. Um, okay. Flip there. I think the, the Kendall Graveman development and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the value, right. Whatever, whatever it is, you know, we just talked about not doing that with Fraley, but there's, there's a move to be made with, with Graveman. Yeah. He's either a piece or he's, he's somebody else's piece, but I think they got moving, but we'll talk about that later. That's an ultimately good thing. I think the yeah. Austin Nola flip was unquestionably a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. And to, to take that player from what, it, what he was to, you know, becoming four major league caliber players, mm-hmm. Kyle Lewis, the healthy baseball player is definitely a maybe good, if yeah. not a, a definitively good. To me, the Julio Rodriguez and the army of young frogs in Everett is uh, oh my is, god, they're is, so good. Is maybe good. I mean, that team is is loaded. They're with like guys. twenty. Have you seen their record? I know minor league records don't matter, but they're like twenty three and eight. They're like the best team in minor league baseball right now. Yes, um, and yeah. they they are they are doing quite well for themselves. But again, I think that's you know for for next year's Mariners, that's not necessarily mm-hmm. a, may, a maybe good thing that all the talent is down there or in Modesto yeah. um, that that's yeah. where the, the real game changing talent is. The Jake Fraley recon is a, is a maybe good as we just talked about the Hanniger reclamation and his ability to turn himself either again into a, our piece or somebody else's piece is, is a maybe good. And then those, those flips that we talked about, the Encarnacion for Bruce um, mm-hmm. or sorry, Encarnacion for then and uh, Bruce for Shiner, I think that those yep. those are good, and the Mariners should have been doing more of those types of things. And Segura, Segura for Crawford looks like maybe the – you know what's funny about these retrospectives that we do? At the at the time, everyone was like, oh, my God, Jared Kellen – or even like last year, it was like the Mariners fleeced the <laughs> the the – Mets, you know, yeah. Jared Kelnick is going to be the greatest thing. And no one really talks about like the Mariners got away with highway robbery on a trade that I hated at the initial time. I was like, JP Crawford, no, he's not, he's a low power, you know, middling defensive uh, shortstop. He's, he's not going to be good. That might be the best move they've made in the last three years. 
well, we'll talk a little bit later about uh, how good Gene Segura has been this year, but that's kind of beside the point, yeah. I think, um, because it just, you know, just wasn't a fit. Any other yeah. may- maybe goods for you? Uh, let's see. I like the uniforms. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> the, the Sunday creams. I mean, it's hard. There's, I know, I know, uh, I know that these things are not, and DePoto will always talk about this and progression isn't linear, but it feels like the progression has been especially bumpy for some of these really vital pieces. I know I say it all the time, but Evan White is such a cog. He needs to be good because there's really not a whole lot else that we can do there. I mean, Jake Bowers is not the guy. I don't think who knows baseball always has the propensity to surprise what's going on at second base. Shedlong keeps pounding the ball into the dirt. I'd, he needs to fix that or he's not going to be a piece. Dylan Moore, he looks like he's getting back to 2020 Dylan Moore, but he's always had a problem with hitting curves that he needs to correct. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of here that going right. It's definitely good. Uh, we talked about Kikuchi. I think that's that's pretty undeniable that that you say uh, season and, and progression over the last three years has been great. J.P. Crawford. Definitely good. And then the Mariners, if not for nothing, are financially lean, um, but by design, they, they are ready to spend in theory because they have just not a whole lot of money on the books for uh, these next couple of years. So to wrap all that up, my definitive statement here, and I've said this over and over, is that the worst thing that Jerry DePoto could have ever done was to put a timetable to the yeah. rebuild. Uh, Absolutely. He, he said in January 2019, we viewed 2021 as that championship type window if we did this the right yeah. way, building around a group that was from an age perspective in a window that allowed us to crest in 2021. Not a championship window right now. Does not even. But it's close. also not. It's also not his fault because of you know COVID did happen. So yeah, I think if you're going to be nice, you say okay, COVID happened. Let's wipe that year clean. Sure. So really, now let's talk about 2022 as the the time. And, and maybe, I don't know. I don't think 2022. <laughs> do you really think 2022 is like the championship windows opening? A lot of good shit's going to have to start happening for the Mariners in the next couple months, if that's the case. Yeah. And maybe the right way implied spending and, and making trades along the way to do, do mm-hmm. more of that, that Brewers rebuild the like, you know, short, short term kind of push the chips in, you know, get, get some talent in the organization, then push the chips in to get a guy like Yelich, Locaine, and all of a sudden you're right there. Yeah. Um, that was has not been a possibility for the for the Mariners due to to ownership constraints. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it's pretty clear that, like you said, this is we're behind schedule. If if that was we're, the schedule, we're behind, I, I would say this: we're behind schedule, but we're not off track. Is that a good assessment? I like that. Yeah, Jerry Depoto is going to take that. Yeah, <laughs> I think he will. He's definitely taking that because we're still we're definitely on the right track. It's not like shit's collapsing all around us. It's not the Henry Hill scene anymore with no. the helicopter. It's 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 still on the right track. It's just going slower than anticipated. Yeah, and and you know, in the last ninety games, if we saw Evan White do what you know, the defense is is definitely there. Obviously, we've talked about that ad nauseum. But if uh, if Evan White comes back and and hits like he's capable of if we see Kellenic do the same um if we get a good prognosis on Kyle Lewis and Justice Sheffield and or Justin Dunn and Marco Gonzalez all kind of you know start showing things that's a lot of ifs but if they're, they're not impossible and if all those happen then we would feel amazing I just want to mention something isn't it funny 
me and you, we've been doing this together for about what, two and a half years now. Sounds right. And I think two and a half years ago, we would have said, man, in a year, we were really going to know where we're at. And then two and a half years later, it's still like, well, I don't know. <laughs> like, yep. I think, and you know what? I think until we're good, I and DePoto's even referenced this, that, you know, progression is not linear. It's going to be stagnate and jump, stagnate and jump. And I, I, I think we've used a lot of words to say, we'll be good when we're good. Mm-hmm. And it won't, there won't be like these little subtle signs that happen where it's like, okay, now we're at 72 wins and now we're at 75 wins and now we're at 78 wins. I think it just is going to be one of those things where we're going to be good when we're good and things start to gel. I think that's about as good as we can do right now. Um, trying to, to, um, to, to prognosticate on what's, what's coming here. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's again, like this conversation is, is messy because there's multiple parts to it. There's, there's good, there's bad. And you know, you don't know how much good it's going to take to really be good. Um, and how much and also one other piece how much better would things look if the Mariners went out and got a five win player, a Chris Bryant, a Trevor story, the things would look so much rosier in the Emerald city. If there was just, I mean, we're not like, it's not this massive chasm that we have to cross anymore. It's more of like a small bridge. Mm -hmm. And I think one of those players, and part of that is due to our own success in the rebuild. And part of that is due to, you know, the Astros are not the Astros of old. The A's are starting to come back down. Matt Chapman has been terrible this year, and he's probably long gone. You know, uh, so a lot of these teams – and the Angels are just – they're the Angels. Like, they're they're just bad. Always will be, I guess, at this point because they have so much talent, but they never put it together. Uh, And the Rangers suck. So a lot of it is is the fact that, you know, we've made some marginal improvements and and the teams above us have come closer to us that we're not having this massive chasm to cross anymore. Yeah. Uh, 90 games left to, to really show, show some things for the guys we talked about. Plus a very important off season coming up for, for the Mariners. I think that's, that's pretty easy to just put that out there and say, you know, we got to see some things and mm-hmm. uh, from, from the guys in the diamond, then we got to see some things from the guys in the uh, you know, the computer rooms <laughs> that uh, they, yeah. they can work their magic. Let's move to the miners who you got this week for us. I'm going to focus on a guy that came back in the James Paxton trade, not the one you think, though. I just want to bring up this point because sometimes I think we get excited about every prospect, but we're going to talk about Dom Thompson-Williams. I'm so glad you do. Uh, The guy who looks like Golden Tate. Yeah, he does. He really does look like Golden Tate. Um, What do you think his OPS this is this year? Where's he at? Double A? Double A. Uh, 580? No, he's at 680, okay. but still 680, which is below the league average. He's above the league average in age and he's not hitting for much power and he's not getting on base. All that's to say he's kind of been one of those guys who is sort of now off the radar and would take a minor miracle to put him back on the radar. 25 years old, struggling in double A. It's not exactly a recipe for huge success. I don't mean this as a critique of Dom Thompson-Williams. I'm sure he's a fine man, and I wish him all the best in his baseball career. But so many times we bank on these guys. We we get a piece back in a trade, and we say, okay, that's going to be a piece in the future. That's going to be somebody who's going to at least be a fourth outfielder for us at the very least. I think it would. it's a nice reality check to see that 
eight out of 10 of these guys are not going to make it. That's uh, that's some real shit right there. Uh, can you yeah. at least tell us that the one thing's doing very well? Um, he is. Okay. I think they need. I think they need to uh, convert. I think they need to Edwin Diaz him though. That's that, that's been the talk. Um, the lookout landings or whatever the yeah. world that uh, it, it makes power reliever his, is in his life. Yeah, it makes sense for his profile because he's got two really really good pitches and no third pitch. Mm-hmm. So it 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 just. I think that's why a lot of people talk about that because he just makes sense as a power reliever. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out about that uh, then. Yeah, <laughs> gotta do the so rim, my, my rim shot there. But I'm, uh, let's uh, <laughs> go, go on the horn. Taylor Dollard is my guy oh, in yeah. uh, Modesto, the M's fifth round pick in 2020, 2020 out of Cal Poly, just like Mitch Hanniger. 6'3 righty, um, already my guy for those dimensions. Uh, very slender mm-hmm. as well. Big time slider uh, has in Modesto has a FIP under two K nine at yeah. almost fifteen. Uh, both are top two in single A West uh, and a BABIP. Despite those things, a BABIP of four forty six. So he's getting, oh, it's only going to get better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's d- dominating and getting unlucky at the same time. So they actually have a pretty good one two three punch down there with him, Carlson, and Mako. Yes, although Mako yeah. might be hurt, which is a little sketchy, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, those three guys are obviously names to keep keep track of. We talked about Sam Carlson a lot and Adam Mako a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a plus Austin Shenton is the fifth mm-hmm. round pick out of in 2019 out of FIU from Bellingham. Actually committed to UW originally. Um, then he went to Florida International. Played like every sport growing up. Um, but Eric Longenhagen doesn't think he's athletic enough to be anything more than a first yeah. baseman uh, down the road, which is kind of interesting. Did you see what Longenhagen said about? Kellenick too. He said Kellenick's body's too big. He's moving to first base. It's like, dude, I, I res- This is what happens to these scouts when they go national. They always get a bunch of acclaim because they're really good when they can stay local and actually see the guys. Mm-hmm. But once they get their brand recognition and they go national, it's not their fault. But they just can't see all these guys anymore. So they just like, oh, he's big. Okay, he's a first baseman. You know, they they turn into that. Isn't this a, like a relatively new phenomenon in baseball where you just started doing that? Where you look at somebody like like. Raphael Devers, for example, it's yeah. like, oh yeah, he'll be a DH. Of just like, yeah, yes, but right now he's a third baseman, and or like, I don't know, and and he's done amazing things with his body to stay a third baseman. Yeah, and and like, yeah, that'll happen, but I don't know why it's just like, you know, who was, uh, you know, that what that reminds me of is when Beltre came over to the Mariners. I remember there was a lot of talk. Oh, he's big bodied. They're probably going to move him to first. And it's just look, I, I, just let these guys yeah. <laughs> stay on their position until they convince you otherwise that they can't. It it is a it's a weird thing, and it's started to, to creep in. Uh, even yeah. Noel Noel Marte, you're looking at him right now. He, you know, is middle infield, and it's like, yep, he'll, or third base, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he will be a first baseman down the road. It's like, yeah. well, I don't know, uh, probably just, not. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, it's weird. Um, currently playing Shenton is currently playing third base and a little first base and raking in effort. His ISO power has jumped up nearly 50 points this year. Uh, WRC plus in the one sixties there in effort. So good stuff with Shenton, uh, back-to-back fifth round picks paying off, uh, at least in the early stages of their minor league careers. Double yeah. a Brian O'Keefe, not Colin O'Keefe, uh, but Brian yeah. O'Keefe, 27 year old catcher. Yep. Picked off waivers from St. Louis, uh, which was also Ian McKinney's fate. Um, that that's how we got him. Um, another double A guy um, who came to the Mariners the exact same way. OPS up over a thousand, eight homers and a hundred plate appearances in Arkansas, um, and hitting in Arkansas is especially 
special. Yeah. Hard, hard to do. Yeah, uh, hard to do. He might be the guy holding the other goatee catching prospect uh, get down from from coming up to the Mariners for majors first because yeah. O'Keefe is older and uh, might get a shot this year as well. Do you think they would really go with did o, if I remember correctly last year in the you know in the injury shortens or the COVID shortened season they had Brian O'Keefe they had the traveling squad right that was a rule last year that could be on the team I think so yeah he was on that team right did he ever get into a game don't think so no yeah I don't there was another catcher who did get it Joseph Odom that was the catcher who did get into games last year the janitor yeah yeah (laughs) yeah uh so yeah, O'Keefe is a guy to keep to keep an eye on. Obviously, twenty-seven in Double A is is a little on the older side, but um, you know, still still performing well, and you can't take that yep. away from him. Triple A, Cal Raleigh, just gotta say, he got ejected, and it seemed to add like ten career wins to his outlook. Yeah, people people, <laughs> people were so excited they got ejected. Um, he is well over the Zanino line in terms of plate appearances before getting mm-hmm. called up. Uh, that was true months ago. It's true now. He has hit safely in 25 of 27 games this year, which is just insane. Obviously, triple yeah. A, a grain of salt, but uh, a strikeout rate of just 11.8% seemingly. That's un- that is probably the most insane thing that has happened there. And I, I noticed the same thing. And he's hitting for power from both sides. It used to be he was a lefty slugger, righty contact hitter, and now he's started to hit for power from both sides. Yeah, interesting player. And, and uh, just looks the part he he's mm-hmm. a big big dude in the same way Mike, yeah. Mike Zanino is where uh it seems seems like he's ready uh this is our 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 segment Phil where we've been talking about um uh our roughly a po- podcast all all stars that's now yeah. been replaced I just want to do a quick check-in with a bunch of former Mariners so are you okay. ready as, as I just fly, fly through this I can't promise yeah, this will be a, a fun exercise because a lot of success here to, to talk about for okay. our form, former M's Mike Zanino, uh, uh, this is a, a triumvirate of catchers we'll start talk, talking about first. Uh, Mike Zanino is enjoying the best ISO power of his career, best offensive season since 2017's Mike Zanino is good year. We had 25 home runs. Yeah. Uh, really good year for Zanino on a first place race team. Uh, good for him. Yeah, honestly, good for him, but like, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, the good yeah. team, good teams need him. Uh, yeah, just, that one doesn't hurt me. Yeah. Especially, I mean, we got Jake Fraley, man. Yeah. <laughs> Can't tell me shit. I've got Jake Fraley. Yeah. Uh, Omar Narvet Narvaez. Now, this one is interesting. He has an OPS of 921. He's second in Fangraphs catcher war among all guys with 150 plate appearances. Uh, his defense has statistically at least improved. Low key having a tremendous season all around for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. Again, still doesn't bother me that much. I don't think that one's gonna and granted, these are gut instinct type things, but I I know that he had a massive. Is he getting platooned? Uh, it, that would be my guess. He's getting platooned. He's only hitting righties. There's only like four catchers that aren't that aren't getting platooned. Yeah, yeah. I I just I don't know how much value he has long term, so it doesn't bother me too much. Austin Nola, the guy that we've talked about before, he's played just 18 games this season for the Padres, been banged up, um, uh, which is unfortunate because you know we can't really get a. First of all, we can't really get a true appraisal on that trade to see exactly what the Mariners gave up yeah. with Nola, but also you know it's it's a guy that's very easy to root for, and you want to see him playing if if nothing else uh, for the Pods. The man's mainstays, uh, Robinson Cano. Maybe I should remind everyone banned from baseball this year yes. for for PED use, so no no update there. Edwin Diaz, um, Edwin Diaz. Every single season with the Mets seems like the exact same thing happens. He starts off yeah. really, really terribly and then ends up hitting a great groove and has done exactly that again this year. 
Three, and people four. hate him at the start. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my God, Diaz is the worst. Yeah. For all he's done this year, 34 strikeouts in 25 innings, uh, 99th percentile and hard hit rate, whole bunch of red stuff on his stat cast page. Mm-hmm. He's just doing that. Uh, he's just incredibly doing incredibly well. Got the save last night for for the Mets. Um, Gene Segura, other than busting up the Phillies locker room, has got into spats with Joe Girardi. Uh, other than that, on pace for maybe the best offensive season of his career. He's been very, very good offensively for the Phillies. Do you miss him? Not even remotely. I'd much rather have JP Crawford. A couple of deep cuts here. And obviously this is a long, long list of former Mariners. So we're only going through a few of them today. Dominic Leone. Wow. I remember him. Came on as a regular out of the bullpen in 2014, uh, former draft pick of the Mariners traded to the D backs for, do you remember what we traded him to the D backs for? Or who we traded, mm-hmm. Mark Trumbo and Vidal Nuno. Okay. okay, I remember both of those guys on the team. Okay, uh, along with Wellington Castillo, who ended up being pretty good himself. Uh, mm-hmm. he, Leone gets DFA'd by the D-backs, got uh, picked up by the Jays. The Jays, who's good again for the Jays, was traded to the Cardinals for Randall Grichuk. Um, so a okay, real, a really real t- name. Yeah, a real yeah. tough trade for the Cardinals there, giving up yeah. Grichuk, who's been great for the Jays. Um, he was released by the Cardinals. Signed with the Indians, wasn't great there either. And then early June this year, got picked up by the Giants in six appearances this year. He has been very good for them as, as a um, uh, just kind of a, you know, a, a stopgap in the bullpen for the first place, Gigantes. Um, yeah, uh, amazing that they're having such a wonderful season. Circuitous route for, for Mr. Leone. Do you remember Justin Leone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when we were kids, he hit the two, yeah. home, two home runs off the, the Como sign. You know, so Lookout Landing, um, they – Lookout Landing was started by a guy named Jeff Sullivan back mm-hmm. in the day, but his initial blog before it became Lookout Landing was called Leone on Third because they all had like this man crush on Justin Leone. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, and I, I kind of remember this. He hit two home runs in back to back days off the Como News sign yeah, uh, out there yeah. in left field, and uh, no one's ever done that since because the sign doesn't exist anymore. Tyler O'Neill. This one is this one is interesting. This one's pain. This one is actually. <laughs> painful i knew this one was going to come up he i liked life a lot better when tyler o'neill looked like a bust uh he's only 25 he is a certified ball killer just destroying stuff for the cardinals Mm -hmm. this year iso power of 335 which is nuts uh although he only has six walks this season he's a really interesting guy he strikes out a lot he home hits the bar really hard but he's not three true outcomes. He's two true outcomes because he does yeah. not he does not walk. Um, but he's he's still been pretty valuable for them. Oh yeah, he's he's yeah. been really really good for for the yeah. Cardinals, which which hurts because you know Gonzalez has not. Although only one of those guys has been on this podcast, so yeah. Uh, who's, who's and, to say? And Marco's historically been right now. We have a lot of positive wins banked on that trade, so it would take a lot of reversal of fortunes for that one to even come out even. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, let's hold our, our sticky stuff conversation to next week. We'll, we'll have, we'll spend, spend some more time on that. Yeah, and, we'll, and more, more information is going to come out on it anyway. As the days go on, so. And by then there might've been an actual enacting of whatever policy they're about to put in. Cause I think June, June 21st is when they're supposed to enact that policy, but yeah, look out for that as uh, baseball starts to crack down a little bit more on spider tack and Elmer's glue and, you know, whatever you use for, your, your mustache curler and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, bike ride other than, other than Gracie, who you got this week? Well, I was going to say major league baseball and the players. I was, we'll, we'll talk more about, um, 
the sticky stuff debate in the next installment. Uh, one thing that base, Major League Baseball got wrong and one thing that the players got wrong. So both of them were guilty here. Major League Baseball is also crack, cracking down on the sunscreen rosin combo, which is by no means the same thing as spider tack. That's just to make it so the guy's hand doesn't hurt as much. And, you know, when they're doing all these grips and whatnot, and it's, it's not, it's something that has been historically used going back into the early 2000s, late 90s. So it really doesn't make any sense because that's not to blame for the crazy spin rates and the Bauer units and all that stuff. And, and to, to me, it's like, how do you crack down on sunscreen, which players are going to use because yeah. they need sunscreen, and then rosin, which is literally on the back on the of the mound. mound. Yeah. I, I don't know what they're thinking there. So that, that one's bad for Major League Baseball, but players have some culpability here too. Obviously, we saw Garrett Cole stutter through his press conference on the spider tack. Jack Flaherty said, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. It's been, I, I don't understand where these guys think that they're, they have the moral high ground here. Spider tack has always, and from what I understand, pine tar, spider tack, all these things are in the same family. Pine tar has been expressly forbidden for many, many, many years. Grant, it might be baseball's fault that they have let it slide, but it's not like this is something that should take you by surprise. This has always been in the rule book that you're not allowed to do these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and they've made a big deal out of it before. Michael Pineda yeah. has you yeah. know, famously got hit because Suspended. yeah, because yeah. he had pine tar on his neck, and there's yeah. you know the it, yeah, it's it's uh it's it's a situation that got way too far. Uh, mm -hmm. Ultimately, I think a good thing that movement is being made on it. We can get back to a, a pure game, but also baseball has just never really been that pure. And, and that's, yeah, that's it's always kind of, been a game of cheating. But it has it has reached a critical mass here, and already some some results as as teams kind of started to get um, wave that this was happening. I think batting averages are up, and um, some positive signs that you know mm -hmm. baseball can normalize a little bit. My bike ride of the week was that 0 for 39 Jared Kellenick myth. Um, it just kept going. I heard it on baseball barbecue and other places. Jared Kellenick, again, I'm going to wear a t-shirt that says Jared Kellenick went over 42. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand that did, did Jared Kellenick's people get this out there. It's like trying, trying yeah, to, to try and soften the blow. Cause yeah. 40 sounds worse than 39. My God, it was so annoying. And then also baseball's concussion protocol, Austin hedges mm -hmm. getting hit in the head. Uh, what was that Friday night's Saturday night, Thursday night's game? I think, I think it was uh, Thursday night's game. Yeah. Yeah. Against the Indians. He or Cleveland baseball team. He, um, goes down slow to get up, just doesn't get checked. And the fact that baseball just doesn't have an apparatus to at least just take a guy into the locker room and look at him. I liked your idea about a concussion sub where the guy's allowed to come back into the game. If if they are cleared by an independent neurologist, it's so easy. It's so yeah. easy. And it's, it's baseball. It's not like so soccer where, you know, it's like ambiguous and they can maybe fake the head, fake the injury to, mm -hmm. to, to game the system, kill time or whatever. Yeah. Everyone sees whether you got hit in the head in baseball yeah. and it's, it's objective. You either got, you know, dinged by a foul, foul tip uh, or a direct hit to the head, or you slammed into the wall. It's that simple. Well, the good news about baseball is even with their poor handling of concussions, it's such a rare thing in baseball that I can still feel good about watching it. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's different than, than other sports we know, but um, yeah, as you bring up often, Justin Morneau's career it goes a completely different way if his concussion was managed differently. So fix it baseball uh, hydro of the week. Uh, for me, it is at Zach left on, on Twitter. Uh, have, have you seen this? I'm about to, I'm about to go do it. 
<laughs> I love that. Is, is that he a, make, is he like those guys? Is he like the the cable Thanos guy? He must have have uh, a, a a gift because yes, yeah, Zach left has put um, the little boy from Neverending Story on not the luck dragon but the mariner moose and uh, put a trident in his hands it is it is a, a feat of human human kind to to do that uh and it brought me so much joy and it brought the mariner's twitter account joy they were legitimately dumbfounded at, at that, that that came in their inbox i got mine okay rick griffin yeah into the restaurant today um just i had a small chat with him for those who don't know uh, Rick Griffin was the Mariners uh, trainer, as he told me today, for 38 years. Um, but just by all, one of the nicest guys, just so kind. He, you know, he was there with his family. They were celebrating his son's graduation, but uh, took some time to just chat with me. Uh, but, you know, about the game and about the new trainers. And I didn't even really I wasn't prying, but he was just so open about like, well, I think, you know, what you're seeing this year with, uh, you know, that injuries is because of this and X, Y, and Z. And it really helped me understand like what's going on league wide. And he just, by, I mean, 38 years, consummate professional cancer survivor, just, just, just a wonderful guy. Sounds like a podcast guest, Phil. Uh, that would yeah, be an awesome guy to talk to. And yeah. Uh, yeah, seeing his commercials and seeing that he's doing well and has, uh, has, you know, for, for now is, is on top of cancers is great news and was a fixture of, of, you know, our childhood because he was the guy for every running injury. out. You never every... wanted to see Rick running out there, but you knew it was okay if he'd make it okay. Announcers always did a great job of identifying too. As there's Mariners yeah. trainer Rick Griffin. Same thing of uh, producer engineer Kevin Kremen. That was the yes. Same. We, we all knew the name. Uh, that was a great one. Um, so good stuff from Rick Griffin. Good stuff from you. Enjoy Pilates. Uh, is this a new? I'm gonna new get my abs nice and toned. As as my Pilates instructor says, she's like a 75 year old lady. She says, engage your powerhouse more. It's all about your abs and your like butt, and that's your powerhouse of your body. So you need to engage those when you're doing Pilates. Uh, call our friend Matt Gebert about how to to actively engage your powerhouse because <laughs> yeah. that, that that man is endowed with something that neither yeah. you or I possess. Uh, that's right. Yes, he is. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Enjoy that. And we'll talk soon. All right. Happy birthday for all those listening, because we won't get to see him on his birthday, but I will talk to you then. (laughs) Great. Uh, All All right. Take it easy.